Welcome to Series 5 of the Bible and Me podcast from Precept Ministries UK. The series that uses incredible life stories to give God the glory. Before we dive into this week's episode, if you haven't done so already, be sure to click that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any of the amazing testimonies in the future. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, it's a a very great privilege, I have to say, to welcome Andrea Wigglesworth to the program today. Andrea has served the Lord faithfully for many years uh, in in a variety of different areas, planting counselling centres across the country of Scotland, um, training counsellors, couple therapists and supervisors. She's a gifted Bible teacher, has a passion to see people discover their God-given purpose and become all that they were created to be. Uh, Andrea loves walking, hosting dinner parties, travelling, and she also has a wonderful sense of humour. So, Andrea, welcome to this podcast. Thank you. Um, it's nice to be here. Now, Andrea, you, you grew up in Glasgow, yes. in Scotland. Um, how did you become a follower of Jesus, first question, and why do you follow him? Um, I grew up in Glasgow and I was a very churched child, so I knew about church and I knew a lot about God and I knew the Word. Uh, But I hadn't really had an encounter with him until uh, there was a moment when my mother was very ill and I was a bit naughty and I did the bargain thing with God and I said, "If, if you save my mother from this illness, I will, I will serve you. And of course, my mother recovered. And at that time, I had a huge encounter with Jesus. Uh, The reason I still follow him as I learn a little bit more about his ways. So one of my prayers is, teach me your ways, that I might walk in them. And so my journey has been the discovery of the ways of God, the ways of kindness and the ways of thankfulness and the ways of gratitude and compassion and goodness and I still follow him because as I read the Bible his ways for me are the very best ways that I've ever heard of or considered and I enjoy and want to walk in his ways Mm -hmm. and I want to learn more about who he is, and I want to become more like him. (laughs) Oh, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Now, after school, uh, you went to teach training college, Mm -hmm. I understand, in Edinburgh, and you taught at the Cambridge University, Cambridge, sorry, Education Authority for a number of years. Um, And then you worked in Scotland Mm -hmm. for the Fife Health Board, uh, dealing with health promotion. Mm -hmm. Where did this interest in health promotion come from? Um, At that time, all I was interested in, at the time this open door happened to me, I I was only interested in serving God. So all I wanted to do was serve God. My husband felt he was to go to Edinburgh University School of Divinity and study theology. And I realised one of us would need to work. Uh, We had two young boys. And I decided to go on a three-day prayer and fast. And 
at the end of the third day, I had a waking vision of many, many, many children in the vision crying out, where is God? Where is God? And the question that came with the vision was, uh, would you be willing to work with these children? Now, at that time, I had, I had never worked with children who had been abused or trafficked or hurt or in any way. Mm. And at the end of the prayer and fast, I felt God was going to open a door that would allow me to work with children who were being harmed. And, and I wasn't sure how he would do that. And on the next day, I saw a job for um, a senior health promotion person in Fife Health Board. And I felt just the prompt of the Lord to apply. I was totally underqualified. The minimum qualification was a master's in health promotion, which I didn't have. But I went to the interview, a three-day interview, which whittled down five people, and they invited me back in at the end of the last day. And the boss said, um, I, I do have a problem. My dilemma is we want you to have this job, but my dilemma is you don't have a master's in health promotion. And they said, if we give you a scholarship, would you be willing to study full-time at Edinburgh University School of Medicine for a master's? And I said, yes. <laughs> so she phoned the professor up and said, I know the course starts on Monday, but would you be willing to take a person under our scholarships? And he said, yes. So on the Monday, mm. I started a full-time master's at Edinburgh University and the condition of my master's was that I would write my thesis about therapeutic interventions for children who and adults who were being abused. So at that time, if I say I one minute I had no interest in health promotion because <laughs> all I wanted was God, but when that door opened I suddenly felt God was in that place and then the jobs that became available to me after my master's in the health board, I was put in charge of the centre for the vulnerable child and we saw 1500 children every year who were being abused oh, and, and the word of the Lord that took me to that was suffer the little children to come unto mm. me and so one part of me wasn't that mad keen on being a health promotion worker and yet another part of me knew I was there under God mm. and and my whole time in the health board I was there for about seven years it was full of uh, me knowing that it was part of my purpose but not knowing the fullness of that until much later in my life when I ended up going to Cambodia yeah and so I knew God was teaching me and training me and mm. uh, disciplining Leading me. <laughs> and, and in that place I saw many, I saw the release of many faith miracles, funding and I saw, I went to the boss and I said I need a big house and a therapy suite and a, a rape crisis suite and I need 20 staff and I reckon we need a million pounds to start and she said well where do you think I'll get that and I said well I think we'll get it uh, because that's what I need and she told me to get out she said get out 
Oh. And then about four days later, she called me into her office and she said, uh, right, I've got your million pound. And I said, how did you? <laughs> and she had gone to a, a management meeting. And in those days, the government was throwing a lot of money at AIDS. But we weren't spending the money in those days on AIDS. And I got all the underspend of the AIDS budget to set up the Centre for the Vulnerable Child. Mm -hmm. So everything I asked for, I got in a kind of miraculous way. So I knew yeah. God was in this place. And I knew I was to make a difference and contribute mm. for seven years. And, and then he released me to do some mm. other stuff. Amazing. Now, I, now you love pioneering mm -hmm. new ventures, setting up new things, conceiving of what might be, and then building. That. In 1994, you set up Vital Connections mm -hmm. Ministries. How did that happen? And tell us a little bit about this ministry. Um... A lot of the ways that the Lord had led me in the past was that it would seem that I would be led by a kind of divine synchronicity. In other words, a door would open and or I'd meet people in the mission field and or I suddenly would have confirmation through the prophetic word of things I was to do. and. I was working, uh, my husband and I were uh, working in a, a centre called Carberry Castle. It's a conference centre outside Edinburgh. And at that time, I was running counselling courses to train up Christian counsellors working for the Church of Scotland. I felt it was an enormous task. My vision was to plant 10 Christian counselling services in Edinburgh. And I felt... <laughs> The size of the task was uh, was quite big, and I started to pray that God would add another in the way of friendship. And I coincidentally coincidentally bumped into a woman called Vicky McAvoy in Ireland, who was being led in a very similar way for Ireland than the way I was being led by the Lord in Scotland, and we knew like a David and Jonathan connection for the purposes of ministry and we realized that as we journeyed on that there would become significant people significant friendships that would become vital friendships for the purpose of our ministry and the task and the entrustment that God had given us both for Scotland and for Ireland and then for the nations and so we called the Consultancy Vital Connections and our discipline is, so I don't ask people, can I come and preach in your church? Our discipline is, we pray that we will meet amazing people in the harvest field and that those people would be part of God's plan to open the next door of opportunity. Mm. So even here in Refuel, I've met one or two people who I think might be a vital connection. And and I don't say that to them, but I know that that, that will become a useful friendship in the mm. kingdom of God. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, now, um, I understand that you have had, um, you had some health issues in your 40s. I mean, you know, 
life isn't uh, all, all a bed of roses, is it? You know, we, we all go through tough times, difficult situations, challenges, and, and I understand that you did in your 40s with your health. Um, were these serious? And, and where was God in the midst of that? Um, the health issues were serious. I, uh, I was working for the health board at the time and enjoyed very, very good health, as I thought. And one day I was standing up at a, a huge medical conference to give a research paper on working with children. And I started to hemorrhage and bleed out and had an emergency hysterectomy and recovered from that very quickly because I actually was very well. Mm. But then there just came uh, months of the doctors finding tumours in my neck and tumours in my shoulders and tumours everywhere. It was, it was like the curse of tumours. Uh, and suddenly I, from being a kind of mountaintop, joyful sort of person, I really had to, for about five years, trudge wearily through the valley of the shadow of death. And one very powerful encounter with the Lord, I had to have um, surgery on my uh, cervical spine. And the surgeon came and said he would need to cut through my voice box and cut through and drill out oh. bone and replace and rebuild my neck. Oh, and he said, me. this would be a good time for you to talk to your children. And I suppose... I had never ever, in those days in my 40s, I don't think I'd ever heard a talk in church about how to die well. It wasn't part of our theological understanding, I think. Maybe we just didn't yeah. think about it. Yeah. But I started to think, how do I explain to my sons that this is quite a significant moment and could end in me going to heaven? And I asked the Lord for a revelation in my valley of the shadow of death. And the word he gave me was in uh, 1 Peter, where it says, Beloved, don't forget that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And I thought, hmm, well, how does that help me explain anything to my children? But just then my husband came in and I said to him, if I die tomorrow in the surgery and if you live for another 20 years and if a day is as a thousand years, when would I see you again? So he did a day is 24 hours times 60 minutes and a day is a thousand years divided by in 20 years and you'd see me again in about 38 minutes. And you see, my fear was not the fear of dying. Fear of death is the number one fear of all psychological and sociological fears. But my fear was not the fear of dying. It was the fear of missing seeing my mm. sons grow up. Mm. And so I said, and if my sons lived, let's just say another 50 years, and with the Lord a day is a, is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day, when will I see the boys? And... Peter did the math of heaven and he said about 48 minutes and so my children came in 
Mm. And I explained my surgery and how how near my brain that and the, mm. and all that. And I said, and that might mean I might die, but if I die, I'll see you again in about three quarters of an hour. <laughs> and my little son, Simon, he said, will that be enough time, mummy? So I said, well, enough time, but what for? And he said, to get the house ready. And I had a wonderful opportunity to explain a little bit of heaven. And I said, oh no, God prepares a, pr a place for us and then he comes for us. And he takes us there and there are many rooms in my father's house. And when it's your turn, he'll come for you. And I said, we don't need to prepare, it's all prepared for us. And I said, is that okay if I die tonight? I'll see you in about three quarters of an hour. And the boys said, that's okay. So, in the valley of the shadow of death, in the valley of pain, in the valley of anxiety, and I, I was paralyzed at that time, uh, and experienced many divine interventions of miraculous healings. Um, in those valley places, I suppose, the presence of, it's not just that we suffer, but we suffer in the presence of God. And that's what makes the difference. It's a whole mm. different mm. thing. Mm. And so it's not that I would want to walk through mm. the valley of Baca and the valley of the shadow of death and the valley of trouble again, uh, which I might. But in those valleys, I encountered God in ways that I know I wouldn't have encountered mm. in mm. the mountaintop. Mm. Gosh. Um. You travel widely uh, internationally, teaching, training. Um, you mentioned Cambodia at the start, for instance. Can you give us a little taste of what that's about, what you do with that? Yeah. Um, so part of uh, the entrustment that for Vicky and I in Vital Connections is that we realise there are many places in Asia, Malaysia, China, uh, South Africa that don't and can't access good counselling training and as part of our missional uh, burden I suppose, a, a, a mission to marriage, a mission to children, a mission to the church to train up pastors who know how to work with people with complex and difficult and sometimes trauma. We felt that we should give away um, a certain amount of time and prayerfully we then prayed that God would open a door because we didn't want to just knock on a door and say we'll come and, mm. and visit with you but the I think the first time I, we were invited to China someone had said to me would you go to China and I said I don't know anyone in China in other words I didn't have a vital connection and I didn't have an open door so that for me, that meant I wasn't going to be going. And this person gave my phone number to a missionary in China who sometimes visited Edinburgh. Hmm. So I was in a little place in Ireland uh, near Belfast and my phone rang and the person said, hello, this is Susan Moore from 
China. And I said, oh, hello. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not in Edinburgh this weekend. I'm in Belfast this weekend. And she said, so am I. And I said, well, actually, I'm not even in Belfast. I'm in this totally little place called Dunmurray. And I'm working in a retreat centre. And she said, I'm just round the corner. And she said, can I come and have lunch? And so she came and she asked if we would go and teach people how to heal the broken heart and set the captives free. And uh, the synchronicity of that whole chapter in my life of going and working in China and the synchronicity of God opening doors and meeting pastors in the Chinese church, you know, hundreds of stories. Mm. Um, and so usually God is the author. My call is to go into all the world to preach the gospel and to heal the broken heart and set the captives free. And I, I leave the program and the location and the geography to God and in an amazing, as I walk forward in destiny, the divine synchronicity just keeps clocking. Mm, amazing. Now I know that Psalm 139 Mm -hmm. is very close to your heart mm -hmm. uh, and um, you know you saw me before I was born every mm -hmm. every uh, day of my life was recorded in your book uh, every moment before a single day and etc why why is that psalm important to you I think as a as a child I can still remember as young as three and four and five being in church as a little person and hearing God's word and remembering Bible stories. And, and as I walked on with God, part of me wanted to independently plan my future and independently determine the sort of life that I could and should have. And another part of me, in my innermost being, I could feel, the only way I can describe it is like a tug of love. So I think if I had not met the Lord, I probably would be a professor in a university doing something like that, because I like studying. And every time I would move into a moment where what I thought was a good idea for my life, I could feel a restraint, uh, similar to when Paul would want to go one place and the Spirit of God did not permit. And so there's been times in my life the Spirit of God did not permit me to follow what might have been my own selfish ambition. And then, of course, in the psalm you've just read, I realised that even before I was born, God had planned a purpose or a destiny or the days that I should have and the days that were ordained for me and even before I'd lived one of them I realized if I could stay within the pathways where God's love could reach me and if I could stay sensitive to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit I probably would have the adventure of a lifetime rather than just be a professor in a university and uh, <laughs> And so I determined that perhaps that psalm would be like a life verse 
there's been moments and seasons in my life I've been very led by the spirit and led by dreaming dreams of guidance and and the only way I can describe it when I got to China for example where there was no English I knew where I was I knew where I was to go I knew what I was to do and when Vicky my colleague kept saying how do you know how to get here I, I would say I think God revealed it in my dreams and perhaps even spoke it into my unformed substance. Mm. The days that are planned for us, mm. Mm. even before we've lived one of them. Mm. So, so I mean, obviously dreams are mentioned in the Bible, aren't they? Mm. Um, so you're, you would say that you would have a dream Mm. And that would reveal something that mm. God wanted you to do, or a place to mm. go, or a person to meet, or a mm. circumstance to be involved mm. with. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually had a, 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 I've had maybe two, three, or four of those very significant dreams. One of which was actually the dream which where God was showing me what was going to be happening with my career and what I was going to be doing later on. Not not specifically, but it was a it was a picture of what actually then, and I look back two, three, and I thought, oh, goodness me, that was the Lord revealing to me yeah. in a dream. It was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, why is the Word of God important to you? This podcast uh, precept is about equipping people with practical skills to study the Word of God. And um, the reason it's so precious to me is because I struggled at school. I wasn't, I would, I would never have been a professor at university. <laughs> um, I was more of a sportsman, um, but I've been given the tools and the skills to be able to access the Word of God. Um, and why is the Word of God important to you? I think in the sense of my desire to, to follow him. So part of my call, my husband is called Peter and I'm called Andrea. And when we got married, we had a very strong call, Peter and Andrew, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. <clears throat> and we were <clears throat> we were in a conference centre and in the old days, the men had to be in the, in the men's dormitory and the ladies had to be in the ladies' dormitory. And Peter sent in an application form for Peter and Andrea Wigglesworth. And they had misread that as Peter and Andrew Wigglesworth, and I was in the boys' dormitory with all these men. And <laughs> so for the first half hour of arriving at this conference, I was arguing with my husband and saying, well, I cannot be, you know, this cannot be happening to me. Anyway, we were called in for supper and we sat down and the minister who was taking the conference stood up and he said, before we start this evening, I'd like to read from the Gospels. And he read, he read. So, so for about 30 minutes, I had to be Andrew and have a fight with my husband. <laughs> and he, the minister stood up and said, Peter and Andrew, come follow me and I will make you. Now that pierced both of us very deeply. And... I suppose my ambition is I want to follow him and his word and his ways and stay on track knowing that he will make me 
and in the gospel of fisher of man that he will make me what it was that I was to become and so I think I go to the word of God for instruction and for guidance and for inspiration and consolation and for understanding and for wisdom so as a counsellor and psychotherapist I go to the word of God and say how does God restore a soul how does God heal a mind how does God help people recover from the most traumatic stories that I hear and therefore without the spirit of wisdom and revelation to guide me into all the truth that I've to, so I believe his mm. word is is a great guide for me and I, I believe in the personal moments where I encounter it's as if I encounter Jesus through his word mm. so his word approaches me and as I begin to try and make sense of his word it's as if I encounter another part of his character and so it's very important for me to meditate on the word to learn the word, to pray the word, to speak the word, to use the word as truth against the lies of the enemy. Mm. Um, so for me, the word of God is an essential part of... I often say to myself, I, I don't know how... So when I worked in the health board, I don't know how my colleagues without God managed the job of psychotherapy. Um, and also I feel as we approach God's word in the pages that I seem to be drawn to I see the spirit of excellence and I see justice, I see mercy I see honour uh, so everything I see is those things comfort me that there is truth to hold on to and there is justice and there is righteousness mm. So when we hear the news and we think, oh la la, mm. but there is a righteousness, there is a way of honour, and I see that in the Word of God. Wonderful, wonderful. Do you have a particular way of reading it, studying it, or you have different? I I used diff I, I used to do you know reading the Bible in a year sort yeah. of programs. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I did that certainly when I was young, and now it's not that I've stopped doing that now. It's as if I maybe get interested in a theme or a, a, a strand of thought uh, and then I follow, I follow that through. So, mm. for example, in this conference where we are, I was very gripped by the Hebrews 11 that Abram went, followed God without knowing where he was going. And so what happens to me is I start to then study. It's as if I have a little bit of illumination. And then I pray for revelation. And then I start to try and identify with Abraham. What must that be like when we are told to step off our map? Yeah. I, I quite like a map. <laughs> it comforts me. And then God says, well, just step off your map because I'm your shepherd. Mm. So I tend to go with re the spirit of revelation now on themes that seem to 
kind of grip my imagination. Uh, and then sometimes I just like, I, I, I read the Psalms every day. So the 1st of August, I would read Psalm 1, Psalm 31, Psalm 61, Psalm mm. 91. Then on the 2nd of August, mm. I'd read Psalm 2, Psalm 32, mm. Psalm 62, Psalm 92, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So the Psalms have been a great, um, I find the Psalms very comforting. And then every now and again, I do a great big thing like Proverbs or, mm. but mostly I rely on Revelation now mm. Mm. to guide me through yeah. where I've to be study. Yeah. I think it's important for me to have fresh, Mm-hmm. Mana, my job mm-hmm. is to teach people and maybe speak what might be known as the word of the Lord for this moment yep. and therefore it's important for me I feel unless I'm inspired by the word of mm. God I can't inspire mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and if I am encouraged by the word or consoled with consolation and comfort I feel then what I offer others is the many consolations of God I tend to just try and follow where I'm being led mm, um, mm. as I study the yeah, Word. Yeah, wonderful. Do you have a favourite Bible book or character? I know you mentioned Psalms there. Or Psalms are pretty important. I love the life of David. Mm-hmm. And as a psychotherapist, every now and again, as I read David's life and some of his mistakes, and sometimes I think, David, you're not supposed to murder people, and I think, what would it be like being his therapist? And uh, <laughs> what, what would it be like having a king uh, who was uh, an adulterer and so on and so forth? So I like the rawness and the realness, and I love the passion of his worship. and. And he's known as a man after God's own heart. And he's a man after God's own heart. And I like the complexity and the paradoxes of the paradoxical nature of all that, that we can be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Even though. Yeah, even though. And even though. I mean, it is remarkable, isn't it? It is remarkable. It it really is remarkable. And you think, how can a guy, how can who who was a shepherd boy and loved the Lord and this, uh, wrote psalms and musical and, you know, how could he have done what he's done? But it's so human, isn't it? And we've, we've all got to watch that. Um, and praise the Lord, we've got Psalm 51 to tell us, you know, yes. and how gracious Nathan yes. was in the way that he brought it to him, yes. you know. I mean, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Um, now, you have a, do you have a favourite verse? many uh, Psalm 23 is very important to me because of the nature of my illness time and um, sometimes when I I read Psalm 23 I pause on even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death I will fear no evil and other times when I read Psalm 23 I think about goodness and mercy following me. And other days when I read Psalm 23, I think about it's not just that the Lord was a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. Um, and so I would say that Psalm, 
has been a place for me to hang out in many different seasons in my life. Um, and it seems to be a place I come back to. You know, thou hast prepared a table for me in, in the presence of mine enemies, and then I have to work out what does that mean. And yeah. Have I allowed the enemy to sit at my dinner table? Uh, <laughs> and what does that do? And, and so on and so forth. So I'm saying just because of the nature of my own. Yes, and he restores my soul, of course. And he know. restores my soul, which is a big piece that in my work. So when I'm training counsellors, I could say, I call you counsellors. I could say, when we've, we're at the graduation, and I could send them out and say, I, I now call you a counsellor. But the reality is that we will be called restorers, and he restores our soul so that we can restore the soul of others. Mm. And, mm. and so there's, I'm saying every single word in San Francisco yeah. kind of is pregnant with expectation for yeah, yeah, you know it's interesting. We use uh, within precept we use Psalm twenty three to explain inductive right. study method. Right. So we will we'll give we'll give a psalm, we'll hand them out the psalm, and, and we'll ask them questions. We'll read it to them. Say, well, who who are the key characters? And they say, right. well, the Lord, and this person, me or I. They may or may not know it's David, and then we'll mark the Lord, and we'll mark the reference to the author, and then we will say, well, what are we learning about the Lord? And first one, he's my shepherd. Verse two, you know, he leads me, he guides me. He restores my soul. Yes. And then in verses uh, four and five, it goes from he to you. Yes. And we ask the question, why Why is all of a sudden he's gone from the mentioning of the Lord as he, and then in verses four and five, all of a sudden it's you. And so we have that discussion. And we say, well, what's the context of what's going on in verse four and five? And of course, it's the hard times, the difficult places, and the valley of the shadow of the earth, the presence of my enemies. And of course, you know, that's the time when it's more personal, isn't it? Yes. You know. So we have a wonderful time with Psalm yeah. 23. I would say the same for me, really. Um, Psalm 23 is just a beautiful... And it's a journey of life. You know, come to the Lord, my shepherd, verses 1, 2, and 3. Receive the blessings that he's got for you. Life's not always going to be easy, but there is a hope. Yeah. Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. It, it is amazing. It's so, In a sense, it's, it's so simple, rich. but it's so rich. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what is next for Andrea Wigglesworth? You are a grandmother, yes. you travel, you've got a busy ministry. How can we pray for you? Um, I think <clears> now this, uh, in this season, I suppose one of the challenges, and I'm not quite sure how to handle it, but it, I, in leadership we would maybe call it successional planning. And sometimes if we think about church ministry, sometimes... It's easy to see a Joshua and to hand over the baton so that they would run the race. And, and so I'm in my 60s now and I feel that what Vicky and I are carrying in the way of uh, counts training counsellors in Scotland and Ireland and out into the world has been an entrustment from the Lord. And my dilemma, I suppose, and my prayer and need for prayer is, as God gave me the entrustment and gave me the grace or the gift or the talent to do what we've done and plant 10 counselling centres and so on and so forth, at the end of my race, do I hand that entrustment back to him who gave it to me? 
or at the end of my race do I try and see a Joshua who would then continue the next chapter of Vital Connections, which would be a very different probably shape and sound than the chapter that Vicky and I have written. And I would say that in the season I'm in, uh, that's probably one of the things yeah. I'm needing wisdom and guidance yes. and prayerful mm. uh, support mm. so that I do the right thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we can, we can certainly pray that for you and um, you would be the first to say that looking back on your life to date that he has led you and he has yes. guided you and I'm sure he's not going to let let you down with that now but um, can I just say thank you for thank I know you've you. been really busy and um, so to give me this time I'm very grateful and uh, the Lord bless you in thank your you. future work thank, thank you. you you've been listening to the Bible and Me podcast from Precept Ministries UK By leaving a rating or review, you can help us to reach a wider audience with the good news of God's grace and plans for his people. But otherwise, until next time, we hope you have a blessed week from all of us here at PMUK.